Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, where food bloggers come to get their fill of the latest tips, tricks, and insight into the world of food blogging. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll provide you with the tools you need to add value to your blog, and we'll also ensure you're taking care of yourself because food blogging is a demanding job. Now, please welcome your host, Megan Porta. Food bloggers, you are going to want to get on the waitlist for the Virtual Tastemaker Conference today. This virtual experience is where food bloggers and content creators come together online for two days to build community with fellow foodies and brands, learn from top industry experts in classes and online excursions, and experience the magic of Tastemaker. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, this premier food blogger conference is for everyone, including you. This year's theme is Clarity, Purpose, and Efficiency, the Pathway to Success as a Food Content Creator. It will be held on Friday, April 9th through Saturday, April 10th, 2021. There will be 14 live sessions with topics on SEO and tech, revenue, business growth and management, content creation and marketing. Plus, there are five hours of bonus on-demand content, two live cooking class excursions, one-on-one live virtual networking with brands who want to work with food influencers, live attendee networking hangouts, $1,000 in giveaways and virtual swag, exclusive Facebook group for attendees to collaborate and connect beforehand. This content is worth over $2,000 in value, but tickets are only $49. Limited tickets are available, so be sure to join the waitlist to get first access to this must-attend virtual event. Go to eatblogtalk.com forward slash resources to grab the link and get on the waitlist today. Hey, food bloggers, welcome to Eat Blog Talk. This podcast is for you, food bloggers wanting value and clarity to help you find greater success in your business. Today, I will be having a chat with Ren Pacheco from cookingwiththecowboy.com, and we are going to talk about working as a team and also how to balance it all. Ren and her husband are a hubby-wife team at their ranching business, as well as running their food blog, Cooking with the Cowboy. You'll find them in the Flint Hills of Kansas, where they love telling their story of caring for the cattle, little cowboys, and living in rural America through food. Arturo does all of the cooking, and Ren does all of the photography, posting and handling the social media efforts for their blog. Ren, I love your story. I cannot wait to hear it from your own lips. So I can't wait to get there. But before we do that, we all want to hear your fun fact. Thank you, Megan. I'm so excited to be here and to be chatting with you today. Um, So fun fact, I am dyslexic. Um, and I actually published my first children's book in 2020 this year. And so I have a children's book, um, out called my mommy and daddy are ranchers that really, uh, shows the, the, the drive and the spirit that we as ranchers have through our little boy's eyes, through our little cowboy's eyes. And so, um, as being dyslexic and someone that struggles with a learning disability and sometimes can't spell cat, um, I, um, I'm very proud that I actually got a children's book published and I self-published it and it was been a really fun project. So Absolutely. That's huge. I don't know anyone personally who has published a children's book, but I've always been curious 
what the process is like is was it a tedious process? Was it pretty smooth? How did it go? It was very smooth. I had I worked with an amazing illustrator. Um, so I wrote the story myself, sat on it for about a year before I actually moved forward on getting it published or moving forward on the illustration piece of it. And I found an amazing illustrator that was super young. It was her first project too, but she just did great work um, and helped me through that process. And then um, we self-published through Amazon. And that was... Um, and we had some little ups and downs, little things, but now that I've got that figured out, it was it was pretty smooth once you got it uploaded. So it was very cool. Good for you for persevering, even though there are challenges that may have gotten in the way for others. Wow. That, I mean, that just shows your level of perseverance and just fortitude. So awesome work. Well, I am just so intrigued by your story. You and your husband have such an inspiring story to share and I want to hear more about it, about it before we dig into how you guys work together as a team and balance it all because I think that is also a part of your story you have something to kind of preface it your husband is a cowboy and that's kind of your theme right so tell us how that started so your husband was like doing his cowboy things and cooking a lot of food and that's kind of where this all began so take us through that Yep. Okay. So I'll take you back to when we first got married. Well, actually, when we were in college, we met in college. Um, we were both on livestock judging teams. So we judged livestock and we got scholarships to go to college to do that. And so um, we met judging livestock. And then we went to senior college together at Texas Tech University. And um, we had a really close livestock judging team. And we would all cook together. And Arturo was mainly the main cook that um, he would cook anything from the tortillas that his mom taught him how to cook um, to duck, which wasn't very good at the time. He's mastered that now, but he would do, he would try anything. And so um, we got married. He finished his uh, master's program at Tech and we got married and moved to Kansas. And um, at that point, we were young and in love and loved good food, but we couldn't afford good food. So um he had had always had that love of cooking and creating dishes, and so he really um, honed in on that. And as he he was, what brought us to Kansas was his PhD program. So he has a PhD in ruminant nutrition, and so he's a nutritionist for cows. He tells farmers and ranchers, or helps farmers and ranchers, how to feed their cattle. Um, so. Doing his research, he would be out riding horses and um, checking cattle and caring for cattle because that's in his blood and that's never going to be go away. Even no matter how advanced his degree is, he will always be a cowboy. Um, he would do all that and then he'd come home and he would make homemade pastas and uh, like fresh homemade pasta and uh, ragu and um, also go back to his roots of the New Mexico cooking of tortillas and um, enchiladas and all of those dishes. And so, and he really enjoys mixing those flavors. So I always thought it was a really cool story of there's this cowboy that wears chaps and boots and a hat every single day, but then he comes home and he cooks me a five course meal. And oh so gosh, that's amazing. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's really amazing. It's not great for the waistline, but you know, <laughs> what's wrong. Um, so anyway, I, um, I have a passion of telling our agriculture story of, of helping connect where our food comes from, um, to those that may not get to live the lifestyle that we get, um, that we live here in the Flint Hills and just really connecting that we are moms and dads, just like people that may live in Kansas City or Dallas or wherever, 
um, we're we're parents just like they are, and we enjoy really good food. Our just office view looks a lot different. So I had the idea of um, connecting with our love of food um, through the food blog, through Cooking with the Cowboy, and telling that story of Arturo um, working and producing beef and then coming um, into the kitchen and cooking that beef and other dishes and other proteins as well, um, cooking that and sharing those recipes that we have created that we feed our family. That is such an inspiring and amazing story and so unique too, which I love. You guys had a couple passions. So Arturo loved cooking and also being a cowboy and all of the stuff that falls under that. And then you had this idea, like, let's put this out there. Let's use your love for food to create a blog. And you had different strengths as well, right? So coming into the blog, you were strong in some areas and he was strong in other areas. So talk to us about that. Like, how does that work? Like, he does all of the cooking and then you photograph and what else do you do for the blog? Yeah. So he does the cooking piece and creates the recipe. Um, and and that recipe is created in his head. And then I have to figure out how to get it out of his head and onto paper. Um, but we're still working through that. But what we found is um, either I'm in the kitchen typing as he's cooking and measuring things out. Um, and then, or he'll dictate it on his phone if I'm not available to be in the kitchen with him. Um, he'll dictate it on his phone and it, and then I will type it. So basically he just cooks and then I do the rest, um, which is, is okay. And, and it works because he's got a, a really big plate. He runs two, two separate businesses. Um, and so we, we work well together. And so I take that piece of it, um, and create the, the photograph to go with it. He helps me, he does help me plate it. Um, he has some serious um, opinions on the way things should be plated, <laughs> and which is good. I, I appreciate those opinions, and and he has a, a creative eye, and he knows how he wants his food to look, and so um, he helps me plate it. And part of my style in photography is I want it to be pretty simple. I want it to be appealing, um, eye appealing, and look delicious. But I don't need a bunch of um, style prop things around my plate. I want them to be a pretty simple plate, um, off the plate, I guess. I want the food to look really good because I really want to showcase the food and I don't want a bunch of things around the plate distracting from the food. So, um, we work together on that plating and so he'll cook it. We'll photograph, I'll photograph it, plate it and I'll photograph it. And then I will edit the images as well as, um, write the recipe, post it to the blog. And then I run all of our social media media efforts for the game with the cowboy. So. so does he ever have times where he's like, yeah, that photograph doesn't exactly represent what I was thinking. And do you have to redo it? Um, we've had a couple that he's not like, not pleased. I am more concerned. So I am a photographer. I have a photography business of, um, shooting weddings and families and those types of things. And so I know, like I have that eye, I have the, the knowledge of light and how to use light. And so, um, there are times that I, I'm like, this doesn't look, I'm the one that's more picky about the end image um, because the light's not right. And so um, the winter is really hard for us because we both have businesses that we're running. So we don't really have a, a dedicated day to cook and shoot. Um, most of the time it's on a Sunday afternoon. And so if there is times that like now it gets dark at five o'clock, well, we're not, we eat by about seven. So that I lose light really fast. So I don't shoot as much in the winter um, because I'm very picky about 
the style of the photo. I don't want a dark photo. I want a light photo. So so you guys work together on that. So he has the vision and you bring it to life. And it's good that you have the photography background and you know uh, how to light a scene and all of that. So you can kind of like, it really does sound like you guys round each other out so perfectly. And not knowing your husband at all, I've never even talked to him, but I just, as you were talking about him, I came up with this kind of idea about him just using thoughtless magic. Like he doesn't overanalyze what he's doing. It's like it comes to him naturally. Like he has the idea for the recipe. He doesn't even write it down. He just is like comes into the kitchen and does his magic and you're sitting there like recording it. Okay, like tell me what to do and how much of this and how much of that. And I don't know, there's something to be said for sitting down and analyzing things, I think. But, you know, sometimes it's better just to let the magic flow through you and it just seems like that's what you guys do. Yeah, yeah. and he... He's very good. Um, I mean, he, he's a scientist, so he's very technical on things. Um, and so if I get him to try to talk about like why the science behind sourdough works, like it, he loses me really quickly. Um, but he, he is, he's very good at studying things and and researching things and making sure that, that it's right. But then he can, he can also step into the kitchen and make those things flow really easy and that magic. And so our, sometimes our posts will go months without posting and that's may not be a true food bloggers way of doing things, but that's what works for us because either we're wrapped up in other things and we haven't had a chance to really truly cook or I've just let him cook and we're not trying to create a recipe with it. Cause sometimes you take the joy out of cooking if you're trying to create that hard and fast recipe, if that makes sense. Yeah, it so. does make sense. And also taking the magic out of it because yeah. we sometimes set such a strict, rigid schedule for our food blogging worlds that we stick to it no matter what, even if we're not inspired or if there's no magic flowing, we're like, well, I'm supposed to post Thursday. So here's this recipe that really doesn't mean anything. <laughs> so I love <laughs> that you guys, out. yeah, I love that you guys tap into that intuition to post when inspired instead of post when your calendar tells you you're supposed to post. That's awesome. So working closely with a spouse is not an easy transition from what I hear. So talk through some of the struggles that you guys have had. And then I also want to hear about some of the successes because I know those are there as well. But yeah, we want to hear everything. Okay. So I'm going to talk a little bit outside of the food blog world of working together because we we do flow really well there. He's taught me a ton about cooking and about how things work and, and flavors marrying and all of that. Um, but the background of us working well in the kitchen together has really... Um, pushed over to us working well together in the pasture. Um, so we, um, as ranchers here in the Flint Hills, we, uh, care for about, I don't know, 500 to a thousand head of, of yearlings and yearlings is like their year old calf. And they, um, the, the area that we're in is very rich. The grass is very rich in nutrition, um, through May one through August one. And we call that grass season. And so we, um, we take in these cattle and we make sure that they're healthy and that they are doing well on this very nutrient rich grass through that time period. And we do everything horseback. And so, um, that means that we, if there is one that is sick, um, we will have to rope and doctor that calf. And, and that's because we, that calf needs that medicine. 
um, to be able to get to water and get around to graze and, and do things um, to grow and be efficient. And we don't want to leave a sick calf, someone that a calf that's in pain um, without being doctored. So it's very important to us that we do it efficiently and we get our job done. So working together in that aspect can be very stressful because there's another live animal involved and um, we want to be efficient at it. So learning to work together as a team and really communicating is the big piece of that um, because he grew up doing things like this. I did not. I grew up around cows, but we didn't grow up doing things on horseback. And so I've learned a lot in the last five years of, of how to work horseback and really be efficient and take care of that animal um, correctly with compassion and, and, and less as less stress as possible for the animal and for ourselves. And so communication is the big key of that. Um, because if you don't communicate, you don't know, we can't read each other's minds, even though he thinks that I should, or he, 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 I can't, he thinks that I should be able to read his mind. Um, we have to really work together and say, talk about the plan before we even get going. So I think that we bring that piece into the kitchen as well. I talk through and I talk a lot. I'm a over communicator, <laughs> um, but he, I talk through what I want the blog post to look like, what I need as far as photographs, um, what I want, what my idea of where I'm going to take this on social media. And I think he tunes me out for the most part, but we, we still over talk about things that need to happen for that post and for that social media efforts. And then, um, we work together to make that that post happen. So, so three key ingredients from what I just heard. So communication, number one, over talking is fine because you never know. I mean, you really can't over communicate. I think in any situation, whether it's a marriage, a relationship, a partnership, whatever it is, communication is so important because you can miss those little things that you don't think about. I do this all the time where I'm like, well, why didn't she do that? It was in my head. And then I'm like, wait a second. Nobody else is in my head. Of course she didn't do that, you know? So communication, no matter who you're working with. And then you also said efficiency is really important. So getting um, whatever process you're working on streamlined and down to a really efficient system. And then you also just kind of touched on like not thinking about yourself. So when you're caring for your cattle, you're putting yourself aside because it's not about you. It's about getting them healthy or them safe. So there are really like three key components there and they sound easy, right? Oh, just get these three things together. But those are not always easy. Do you have specific um, tips for getting through those things? Because communication is not always easy finding an efficient system isn't always easy and putting yourself aside isn't easy. So what little tips do you have? Well, I would think that, um, on both in the kitchen or in the pasture, like going into the day with a plan, um, no matter what in that, that boils down to that communication, um, piece and, and putting yourself aside, making sure you have a plan of what you need, what you want, and what the end goal is going to be or needs to be for the day or for the recipe or for the blog post or whatever that is. And so if you have a plan that you communicate about, then you will hopefully should be more efficient at getting to that end goal um, of having that post rolled out. So we walk through, uh, especially when we start like in the summer when we're going to check cattle, we have our cups of coffee. We're out early before the sun even rises um, in the truck together. And we talk through like what pastures we're going to touch, what pastures we're going to ride through that day, um, what needs to get done, and then um, make a plan from there. And then we 
we usually split up and we text a lot throughout the day and have that plan and communicate where we are, what we've got going. Then we, you know, get home and we're in the kitchen. Same thing. And we're going to cook this tonight and this is going on the blog and I need X, Y, and Z photos to make that blog post happen. So I think it's that plan, that planning and communicating about that plan. Oh, I love that. I am such a proponent of planning and there's such power in it and it just gets pushed aside so often. We start digging into our days or our projects and we think that we can just do it without a plan, but then things get really muddy and confusing very quickly. And then we realize after many failures that we actually need to go back and create a plan. So I am all on board with that. And I love how you guys have um, tied, you know, like the ranching side and the blogging side and how you use one to kind of frame it like, well, we plan for ranching every day and like what our plan is overall. So we're going to do that for blogging. Do you think you would have been able to plan for blogging as well if you didn't have the other side of it? I don't think we would have ever been able to work as well together. Or it would have, it would have taken longer, I guess, to get to the point where we are today. Um, because I think working with your spouse, it, it is, it's really hard. Um, it, and cause you, you are as comfortable with someone, your spouse is someone you're the most comfortable you've ever been with anybody other than maybe your mother, if you're a really close to your parents, but your spouse is, there's, there's no, no, there, uh, I'm going to say this, but it's going to sound really bad. Sometimes you take out that level of, of respect or I don't want to say respect, but the level of comfort of needing to maybe watch what you say because you don't want to offend the other person because your spouse is someone that you could, you should be able to share and say anything to. Um, and so sometimes that, that level of comfort makes it even more hard because, you are so comfortable that you can call them out on their mistakes or their things. And sometimes we look at the negative, not so much as the positive. It's easier to go the negative way than it is the positive. So I think being able to communicate and saying, Hey, that hurt my feelings. I want to do it this way. I need to make sure that, you know, you watch, you help me and respect me. Um, calling that out when we are on horseback and, and doing things there has brought that into the kitchen, if that makes sense. I, I don't know if I've lost you there, but... Yeah, no, no, that does make sense because when you're so comfortable with somebody, it is easy to feel like you can say anything, which is good, but then you can go into bad areas. But you have to be able to respect the other's strengths, I think. And I'm saying this not having ever worked with my husband professionally, but I can imagine we would just need to work through that, like get to a point where we respected, like you are really good at this. So I am going to let you do that. And please respect that I'm good at this. And it just seems like there would be so much gray area to work through. My husband and I have talked about working together and we never have, but in my mind, it gets like all cloudy. Like, would we be able to do that? I just don't know. I think it's just one of those things that you have to launch into and try it. <laughs> right. Right. And I think, again, that goes back to that communication piece. You can't be afraid if you if you're working with your spouse or have never worked with your spouse and you're thinking about doing that, going back to that communication of, hey, that hurt my feelings and not being mad about it, not getting anger or anything in in mix, like just having an open com conversation about that hurt my feelings. What can we do to make it better? Like, how can we and, and vice versa, not just me, but him too. like that 
will you help me do this better? And, and just being open without anger, because the anger is where the fights start. And if you can do it without um, being angry with one another and having just an open, honest conversation, um, that's where the key or the magic of of working together is, I think. So I like how you said that. So instead of saying like, you need to do this better or putting it on the other person, framing it like this, will you help me do this better? Because then you're asking for help and you're saying that, you know, you have room for improvement as opposed to you need to improve. So I really like that because we've all been blamed for things or not blamed, but like this is your problem and it's not a good thing to hear. And I don't think a lot of people react well to that. So just the way that you phrase things or the way that you approach a project or a question or even a day, like how can you help me be better today Right. is great. I love that. I actually wrote it down for my future, you know, when my husband and I are working together, I'll come back to that, Ren. (laughs) (laughs) Not every day is pretty. I'll give you that. Oh, I'm sure. At the end of the day and knowing that we work together as a team to no matter what project we're working on, we're working together as a team to better our lives for our boys. That's pretty cool. That's really fun is that we get to do this together and we're building something, um, as far as businesses, blogs, sharing our story, um, whatever it is for these two little cowboys that we have watching us every day. Um, That's fun. So So keeping that end goal in mind, which is another thing I love is just having big goals ahead, like down the road in the future that you can always look to. So your goals are bettering your boys' lives and being there for them and obviously taking care of your animals. So you have big goals that you reference, you probably talk about and you think about daily in order to keep you on track. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. Goals are so important. So we talked kind of about some of the struggles and some things that you have to keep in mind. When do you guys like give high fives and you're like, yes, we are rocking it. That was awesome. Tell us about some of your big successes. (laughs) Um, So... Big successes. Um, we, uh, on the cattle side of it, um, when those cattle leave in August, August one, um, that we've cared for all summer and they get on the truck and they've gained the weight that they're supposed to, and they look good and they're healthy and our customers happy. Like that's when we high five and we thaw a steak and we celebrate, um, that we, we did our jobs right as ranchers. Um, or when we have, uh, we also do some other things um, with some heifers, which are females or, or cows that have not had a calf yet. And so when we um, have success there and we're we're doing things right and our customers are happy, um, we high five then as well. And so knowing that we've done our jobs right and and provided a, a we've cared for these cattle and we're providing as a stage because we're just at one piece of a, of a calf's life cycle, but knowing that we have provided for those animals, we've given them a safe and healthy and, um, good home, um, in their life cycle to know that they're going on to the next safe and healthy place for, um, to end up, to end up in the meat case. Um, that's really cool to be able to know that we're feeding, um, consumers, uh, or those that enjoy steaks in their plates or beef on their plate, knowing that we are um, are doing that. That's really fun in a way that we can um, we can high five each other and 
and work together. And then knowing that when we get home, we have two boys that we are providing fun foods and different recipes that we are um, introducing them to different kinds of foods. That's really fun too. So So. your high fives are really your end goals. So thinking Mm -hmm. of those successes and those times when you're like, yes, we did it. We accomplished X, Y, Z. Those are the things that keep propelling you forward and keep you moving because you guys don't have an easy job. Oh my goodness. I mean, what you're talking about is like, I just can't even imagine doing that, but it's something that you've just stepped into and you've figured it out and you're doing it successfully, which is amazing. And then on top of that, you're coming home and you're blogging. Oh my goodness. When do you find time to blog and how do you balance that? Oh, uh, that's why sometimes our posts are not as scheduled as they probably should be. <laughs> or our blogs, um, sometimes we uh, we haven't made it to that monetization uh, click rate and all of that stuff yet because uh, we <laughs> it is hard to find time. Um, food blogging, I thought when I when we started, oh, this will be easy. I'll just blog as we go. And um, but in truth, there are lots of many steps and lots of things to keep your blog moving forward as far as Pinterest, learning the ins and outs of Pinterest, learning the algorithms of Facebook and social and uh, Instagram and all of those pieces. Um, so I, um, I do it when I can and I try to set a goal to have one post up a month and then really talk about that post and what we're doing and other things as we're cooking on Instagram. Um, because I really like Instagram. I like social media and connecting that way. I know that's not the best way to, monetize your blog, but that's the way I enjoy connecting. So again, it's finding that joy and doing things, um, doing it in the way that works for us um, and not putting that pressure on making it um, something that has to happen. Not putting the pressure. And that kind of describes what you were talking about earlier with your husband's cooking process where he's too busy to overanalyze and put pressure on it because he doesn't have the time. And that's kind of the way you guys frame your blog too. So there's really no pressure there, but yet you still love it. And eventually, would you like to monetize? Is that your goal, your end goal with your blog? Yes. Yeah, we would love to monetize and we're getting there. We've got, um, we're, our click rates getting bigger and, and more robust every month. And so it's growing. Um, and we would like to monetize it. And we, we have some other avenues that we're working on um, that will be kind of p- run parallel with the food blog um, that will monetize it in a way. So we've got some other offshoots of the blog that we're yeah, working on. That's great. So I'm a little caught up right now because I went onto your site and I'm looking through your pictures and you guys are so cute and just like the cowboy hats and your boys are adorable and your house is just all so dreamy. I love just that lifestyle, like the ranching lifestyle is nothing that I've ever been a part of, but it's so intriguing to me. So different from anything I've ever experienced. Okay. So just got caught up in that a little bit. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> okay. So balance and you guys work on it when you can. Do you have any other tidbits for us about how to balance if other people listening have a busy life. Maybe they're not ranchers and they don't have to take care of cattle because that's a lot, but maybe they do have full-time jobs they go to daily. So what other tips do you have for them? So I have a system. I'm a big believer in systems as far as email systems and um, forms and things like that. So I have, I wrote out a blog post form basically. So the way that the, the blog posts will be formed as far as heading and then the, the, caption of like, uh, 
the description of the post of what's going to be shared and then the photo. And so I try to follow that form throughout every blog post. So that really helps me stay organized. So I have this uh, form. It's just a Word document with things bolded and um, italicized. So whenever I go to write my blog post, um, I create, I go into that form and I just start filling things out. So it makes it very easy and straightforward for me um, when, and, and makes it just a little more efficient for me to get that post. I up. love that you do that. That's so great. I've never heard of that before. Just having like a set form so you don't get distracted. It's like, here's the field you need for the header. Okay. Description. Yeah. <laughs> Moving along. Yeah. 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 And, and it's just, cause I, I don't, I don't have, I, like I said earlier, I am dyslexic. So writing sometimes can be very hard for me and, and putting words, uh, in line is sometimes hard for me. And so I, if I have something that is straightforward for me, then I can easily get in there and just make it happen. And, um, I do try to have my mom, my mom is my copywriter, um, or my editor, my copy editor. And so she reads through everything for me. Um, and I try to have her do that before I get it posted. Sometimes I don't make time and I just post it and then there's mistakes, of course, but we can fix those. Um, and, and I, uh, also try to not to overshoot. I'm a, um, in my day job, I overshoot a lot. So when I'm shooting food, I try really hard to not shoot a ton. Um, just shoot one or two images because that's all that I really need. And that eliminates the big editing process of editing for me. And so, um, and making sure my light is right when I do shoot. So there's not a ton of editing to do as well. So. Yeah. So systems you mentioned are huge. I think especially for food bloggers who have so much going on and you can overthink things like I need to take 200 pictures. And I think just simplifying. So creating a system in any area of your business and then also not overdoing it because we've all been through those stages where we do take way too many photos and then we have, oh my gosh, 200 photos to go through. That's ridiculous. So that's such a simple little thing that I've, I mean, it took me years to get to that place too, probably way too long, but now I'm at that place too where I just don't overdo it. I'm like, okay, I just took 10 photos. Something in there is great. I'm sure and I move on. Whereas before it was right. like an hour, an hour and a half of my time where I could have been doing something else. So how do we get to that point? How do we get confident enough to think that we just can be done? Because again, overthinking, overanalyzing creeps in so much. Do you have tips for that just for like letting things go? Is it just like creating <laughs> this busy life where you can't, <laughs> you don't have an option? <laughs> Well, I, I think I, well, yes, that's part of it. But I also really think that like we, um, people individual, I mean, myself, everyone that is looking at our food blogs that are looking at our social media account, um, they're busy, just as busy as we are. So they're not going to overanalyze what you've posted. I, I, I believe, and maybe I'm wrong, but I really feel like put something that's good and quality up, but don't overanalyze it because what you have put up is something that they came to your blog because they're interested either in you or your recipe and they may have found you through social media or they might have found you through Pinterest. But something that you put on that first site, because, and, and again, I, I may be totally wrong on this, but I really feel like that, or the way I work anyway, is I either find recipes or people that I love to follow on Pinterest or, or social media. And so if you have that, that first 
um, image, that first impression on either those two social platforms, that's what they found you for. So don't overanalyze. Like if you're going to overanalyze something, overanalyze what you put up there, but let that come from your heart and let that be authentic because that's what people really enjoy is authentic and, and people that, um, they really, people really want to follow stories and really want to follow you as a person, not an overstyled dish. I, I feel like I don't, I mean, that's what I want. I want to know about people not, and of course the food comes with it too, but I want to know about people. And, um, so just not overthinking and just really, truly being your true self, um, I think is, is where you helps that not overanalyzing at that point, because if you're your true self, you show that, then people will love you. Oh, I love all of that, Ren. That was all just so well said. Be authentic. Stop overanalyzing. We all do it. And don't feel bad for overanalyzing because it kind of comes with the territory. We feel like we're putting our content out there for everyone to see. We sometimes feel judged and like just cautious about who's seeing it and what they're thinking. And it's normal to overanalyze, I think. But with practice and with time, you get to a point where you honestly just don't really care anymore. And you realize that you don't need to do that. And you don't need a million images. You don't need the most perfect copy because nothing's perfect anyway. But you really only need one good image for a blog post. Like you said, like you judge people's content by that one image that you see on Pinterest or Instagram. And anything else that is contained in the blog post is kind of irrelevant. I hate to say that because I know a lot of people pride themselves on having like 17 grand photos within a blog post, which is great. I think that is part of the process of being a food blogger. But you really don't, honestly, I mean, you really don't need all of that. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think comparison too, I, I love the quote, comparison is a thief of joy. And I think that like, if you're comparing yourself to other food bloggers, like don't like just do you and do what you love and, and what gives you joy. Um, because then if you take the joy out of food blogging, then what's the point of doing it? I, I think, I mean, unless you're, you're a, you know, a Reed Drummond that's making millions and millions of dollars that, that it's her job. And, and I, um, that for me as a small town, small time food blogger, like it has to be joyful or I won't do it because I've got other irons in the fire. So, yeah, right. Well, I am coming away with a few themes. So no overanalyzing, stop the overanalyzing as soon as you possibly can. Um, be your authentic self, do what gives you joy and honestly, your story just proves that a little bit of distraction is really healthy and good and can bring about such magic and like really good content and really good relationships. So I love all of those themes. Do you have anything else for us along the lines of just balancing it and working with a spouse before we move on? Because I do want to ask you about, I know you're a really good photographer, so I want to ask you a few tips about photography, but do you have anything else along those lines first? And no, I again, just going back to that communication. I think communication is the biggest key when it comes to working with your spouse and just being open and honest and not letting anger get in the way, not letting, um, just really being open and and, and talking about things without being angry. Mm, that's great. Okay. You're an awesome photographer. You mentioned that you have a background and you shoot weddings and some portraits. So give us your best tips and tricks about photography in general. Okay. So I, um, I love to shoot with natural light. 
I am a natural light photographer. I, I have some flashes and some off-camera light, but I that's not what I prefer. So I really love to shoot. Um, and we have some south-facing windows in our home. And I have a white table um, that sits right in front of the south-facing windows. So I love to shoot at that table with those um, south-facing windows. And then I have a very, very fancy, let me tell you, it's super fancy, um, uh, reflector. It is uh, three pieces of foam board taped together with duct tape. <laughs> so super fancy. But I love that it. reflector um, allows to have some fill light on the back of that photo. So with that south-facing window, if I put my plate on that white table and I put that reflector behind it, um, that south soft light is coming in and it's going to hit that reflector and it's going to back, back bounce back into my food and um, really just give an even light across that plate. And so um, if you are struggling with a little bit of light, a little bit of uh, having s- some dark spots or some uh, uh, spots that need to be filled in with light, get you some foam board, just a white piece of foam board from the grocery store, I think is where I bought it. Um, not even from a craft store. And use that as your your bounce, your reflector. And um, really think about, I, I like I said earlier, I like a really simple plate um, or simple styled area. I don't like a lot of uh, garnish on my plate. I like it just very simple because the star of the show is the food. And so I feel like sometimes we could get away with extra garnish and extra things around um, can really take away from that food. And I like that you mentioned not to get fancy because we can overthink again. Here's that theme of overthinking, but we think, oh, I have to buy all of this expensive extravagant equipment in order to take good photos. And that is not true. Foam board at the grocery store. I mean, that's like a couple dollars of your life. So that can like fill in all the light you need for her photo shoot. No need to go overboard. And I do. I mean, I have a professional DSLR camera because that's my job. But I also I've taken some things um, not for the blog, but for Instagram, I have used my cell phone, my iPhone. And I think, um, you know, if you if you're not ready to invest in a big expensive camera, I think there are some lower budget cameras that you could invest in. Um, I think you could also start with your iPhone and just knowing how to use that light and and knowing how to use that foam board as a reflector, you can still use your iPhone to create nice images. And I think going into photography, if somebody isn't um, familiar with photography and the principles behind it, that it can be so overwhelming that you really don't know what to do anyway. So starting with exactly what's in front of you that you actually know how to work and you know like your iPhone camera is probably amazing for anyone listening and you likely know how to use that very well. So start there and then take your next step up and then you're going to know what you're doing. You're not going from zero to huge expensive DSLR where you're like, I don't even know how to use this thing. I think that can be so overwhelming for food bloggers to be like, what? I have to buy that massive camera and then know how to use it so you really can do it in stages buy some foam board use your iphone until you know what you're doing and go from there that's a whole other soapbox but what else do you have for us for photography (laughs) um i also really love to use just a simple white plate and then even some simple napkins um for my style um and those napkins have come from walmart to 
um, even some handkerchiefs that I've bought at like a thrift store. So like find something that is, fits you again, that is you and your authentic self and just keep with that style throughout uh, your your blog and, and your social accounts. I think having that one style of editing and, and the way you plate and style things on um, for the photo is really a way that people will identify your work as you continue to be consistent with that. And again, you don't need to get fancy. You don't need a whole entire shelf full of Props. every single color of dish and plate and bowl and placemat. Just the other day, my husband was like, um, "How? what percentage would you say of these that you actually use? And I was like, oof, like 2%? I mean, it's bad. <laughs> yeah. So I need to get rid of some of that. <laughs> it's well, not I, necessary. I love it. I love buying new napkins and things like that. I know, me I too. I go back to the same old tried and true ones that I've same. used over and over. So Absolutely the same here. Oh. Do you have anything else for us? Those have been really great tips. I think that is that. I think that is good. I think that we covered a lot, a lot. Yeah, we did. There's so much juice and good stuff in this episode. What is your main takeaway for food bloggers today, Ren? I think we're going back to that authentic self, being you, um, sharing recipes that are you, um, because they're from your heart, um, and maybe not. They may not be truly Pinterest worthy or something that Pinterest is trending on, um, but doing things that make bring you joy. And I think that is um, the only way to make, for me anyway, to make this food blogging thing work is things that bring us joy and sharing those recipes that um, feed our families and that we have gathered from our family recipe collection. Oh, that's great. And this conversation today with you, Ren, has just inspired me. Thank you so much. It has been such a pleasure to chat with you. And I'm just so grateful that you're here today. So thank you for being here and sharing such value with food bloggers. Thank you for having me. It's been such a pleasure and such an honor for sure. Oh, it was so fun. So we will put together some show notes for you, Ren. If anybody wants to go see those, you can go to eatblogtalk.com forward slash cooking with the cowboy. Ren, tell my listeners the best place to find you and your husband online. Okay, so you can connect with us on Facebook or Instagram at Cooking with the Cowboy. Also on Pinterest, we're not as we're not as active over there, but um, Instagram is my favorite platform. So at Cooking with the Cowboy, and then I have my photography page at Ren.bird as well. If you are interested in that, so. And your book, your children's book too. Yep, on Amazon. And then you can, on our food blog, there's an option to buy it there as well. Well, thank you again, Ren, so much for being here. And thank you for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you next time. We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.